welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that's back, folks. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother from Marina Del Rey. Hey, that's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother from San Quentin State Prison. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's true. That's Trey Newman. (laughs) Doing our best to get you out, Trey. All right. Remember to follow us on Twitter at CFB Bros, on Facebook and Instagram at College Football Bros, and leave us a a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. Uh, We actually got a couple five-star ratings and one review as well. Uh, Who was that from, Ryan? Uh, Yeah, I saw that. That was actually from uh, 406 Fella. Uh, and he said, uh, we had good insights and were knowledgeable. Finally found a college football podcast that I can get on board with. So that was pretty cool. Excellent. All right. Well, welcome aboard fella. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, uh, I looked at that area code. It, it's from Montana. Oh, Montana. Okay. I might, not too many listeners from Montana, I bet. No, not a lot of FBS uh, football up there, but we got to talk about the Grizz maybe. Eh, maybe not. <laughs> uh, anyway, on today's episode, we are covering the Big 12. Uh, so let's just get started with a game of fact or fiction. Trey, what you got? Fact or fiction, West Virginia quarterback Will Greer is the top Heisman candidate from the Big 12. Oh, that's that's a clear fact. Um, he's the number one Heisman candidate by far. Uh, maybe Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma or Justice Hill from Oklahoma State could grab some attention with some really good years, breakout performances and big games. But I I mean, I'll even throw Kyler Murray if, you know, OU goes goes really far, wins the Big 12 and he has a solid year, but I mean, right now, preseason Will Greer clear number 1. All right, when you say something is a clear number 1 and or a clear fact, it really makes me feel like an idiot when I'm about to go fiction here. Oh wow. What an idiot. <laughs> but I'm going with one of the guys you mentioned, Kyler Murray. You know, the the vast majority of time that someone wins the Heisman, they're, you know, on a top 10 team, they're competing for a playoff or BCS or what have you. And I just, I can't see that for West Virginia. So, I mean, obviously Murray has a lower downside than Greer and maybe Greer's even more likely to make it to New York, but I think Murray's more likely to win it. He's got a chance to, to have, you know, a ridiculous season, especially with his running ability and that offense and just because Oklahoma's a playoff contender. I'm I'm uh, 100% agreement with you, Michael. I say fiction as well uh, because, yeah, fair. So we're not un- so stupid, Ryan. No, you're still stupid, but. <laughs> I mean, fair or unfair, in today's Heisman, you do. You have to be on a successful team. And I don't think West Virginia, I just can't see them being a 9-10 win team this season, at least, uh, at least on paper right now. And Greer's going to be great, but. But yeah, I agree. You know, I, another name to to keep an eye on is in the Big Twelve is maybe Sean Robinson of TCU if, mm. if TCU mm. has a good year. Very dark horse there. <laughs> Very deep sleeper, no, I, deep sleeper. But who knows? <laughs> but I'm just saying he's gonna he's gonna be on a team that's in the hunt. Tim Tebow won it in that year when it didn't Florida go eight and four that year. Yeah, so. and Robert Griffin the third. It's possible, but it's just no, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, it's not impossible for sure. But uh, but yeah, I'm saying fiction. All right, um, I'm up next here. We got uh, Factor Fiction. Sam Ellinger, if healthy, will start all 12 games at QB for Texas. 
All right. Well, I'm going to start here. And since I'm going first, I'm going to say anyone who disagrees with me, with me is an idiot. Clearly. And this is, there's just a clear answer here. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> and I'm going fact. Um, I actually Which, like Shane Bouchelle a little bit more, but they're pretty close, really. And Ellinger's a year younger, showed some flashes as a freshman. And it just feels to me like Herm- Herman likes him more. So I think they're going to stick with him if they and can. Doggone it. He just likes him better. <laughs> he does. I'm actually going <laughs> to say fiction just be- and I, because I think Ellinger is the guy. But last year, you remember he had some concussion issues. And that's I why f- it's if healthy is in the question. <laughs> yeah, but, I'm, but I mean, like. Does that clarify the whole year, like in the middle of the year, if healthy, or are you talking like... We're talking if healthy, all 12 games, nothing well, happens that knocks him out of the okay, game. Okay, but fine. The fact that there's a, a capable backup, if he has a rough few series or maybe a rough game, Herman might look for a spark elsewhere, so I'm... Okay, that's a I'm fair not, point, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I could see that happening, you know, just just to get a spark somewhere. Um, I'm going to say it's fact, though. Um. The only other person, obviously, that has that chance is Shane Bachel, as Michael likes to say. Yeah, that's true. Thank you. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and the other two guys that they have in their, at the QB position are both incoming freshmen, so I don't feel like they'll be ready yet. Um, and Ellinger already proved he can beat out Bachel, so he just has a higher ceiling with the, the, with the ground game. He can keep plays alive, so I, I'm going to say it's fact. All right, last one here. Fact or fiction, Cliff Kingsbury will be the head coach at Texas Tech in 2019. I'm going to say fiction, as I don't really see Texas Tech overly achieving this season. I see them around more like the 7-5 and five mark. And, and after already being on the hot seat last year, I just don't, I don't see them surviving this one. I, even though I do think it's kind of a case of be careful what you wish for, Texas Tech, like I, I think he's probably the right guy. It's just you never know what you could actually get, so... I think fiction just with the turmoil this past off season. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I slightly disagree with you there. I'm going to say this one's a fact. I think he will be the coach in 2019. And I, if, like you said, if he goes seven and five, I don't think there's any doubt that he'll be back next year. That's yeah, I agree. Seven and five would, would be overachieving. Yeah. I think if, if my, my baseline for him is if he makes a bowl game, I think yep. they keep him around. Um, However, if they don't make a bowl game and they go five and seven, then he'll be out, especially with their recruiting class. They just they just pulled in this year. 73rd in the nation, according to 247. Ouch. So not make a bowl game. He's out of there. I completely agree with everything you just said there, except I'm going fiction because I don't think he'll make a bowl game. I'm low on Texas Tech. I think the answer to this question is just depends on how you feel about Texas Tech this year. Trey, you say seven and five. So, well, I mean, that's yeah, I was thinking, you know, six and six, seven and five. But yeah, I. For me, that's good enough to keep it, but I'm saying five and seven or worse, and he's gone. Let's get to our uh, our tiered rankings now, though. We will start with the contenders. Ryan, who's our top contender? All right. The first contender is Oklahoma, the Sooners. Their current win over under total is uh, at 10 right now, and the, the over is the favorite currently at minus 125. And the Sooners are going to enter this season as the clear favorites to win the, the Big 12 again. Of course, they do lose Baker Mayfield, but they have high hopes for Kyler Murray, as we already mentioned, who brings more of a running threat than Baker did. Um, but there are concerns about the type of arm he has, so we'll kind of have to see how that goes. But he's going to have a ton of help on offense either way. Rodney Anderson comes back at running back. Most of the receivers are back. And three conference or three all-conference linemen as well. The, co- the offense is going to be really good. Defensively, they were really young last year, and they actually improved as the season went on. So I think they're going to improve 
over last year, especially with a, another good crop of recruits coming in to, to help their depth. And I think most notably, their defensive line will improve a ton as they had four sophomores play a lot of snaps for them last year. So now as juniors up front, they should start to dominate a little bit. And uh, overall, though, I don't think they'll be quite as good as last year. It's hard to be with such a great quarterback they had, but I think they'll still be the best team of the Big 12. And they have an easy non-conference slate. They should win their double-digit favorites in all those games. So I'm going to take the over uh, and say they get to 11. I agree. I'm going the over. Um, I'm high on Kyler Murray, as you may have guessed from our Heisman discussion. And like you said, Ryan, I think this might be the best supporting cast that any quarterback has in the country. Marquise Brown and CeeDee Lamb are incredible receivers. Yeah. Um, Defensively, they, of course, lack proven playmakers, especially with Okoron Quogon. Uh, So that's a concern. But like you said, there's some good freshmen coming in. I would look for Radley Hiles to potentially have a, a breakout season as a freshman. Um, and there's just a lot of talent on every, every level of the ball. And mostly I think the defense is going to be better because they can't get much worse. They were 101st in S and P plus last year. So, uh, you know, Mike, Mike Stoops might be saying, hold my beer right now, but, uh, <laughs> I think they're going to be better. And so that's why I'm going over. Yeah. I mean, Stoops, he's, he's running out of excuses. It's, it's pretty crazy, but cause he, their defense is really the difference between them potentially winning it all or at least getting the playoffs and winning quote-unquote only did you just call it the playoffs trey my my pet peeve that we talked about a few episodes ago can't believe it (laughs) can't believe it oh goodness the playoff (laughs) um but really the difference between them winning it all or getting to the playoff is is thank you thank you you're welcome is is the defense it's crazy how much talent they've had and really don't produce i understand they were they were youthful but um I'm really curious to see how they they develop on that side of the ball. Offensively, though, a big loss that they're that people aren't really talking about is their go-to guy, Mark Andrews. Yeah. Especially for a guy like Murray, who he's going to need help in the passing game. He's he does have some talented wideouts, but uh, he is a little Murray's still a little unproven in in that regard. Oh yeah. But I'm also curious to see what the, what their offensive lines like without their All American Orlando Brown, and then they also had an All Conference center Eric Wren. But Ryan, you touched on it. Their their favorable schedule is setting them up for a deep run. It looks like they're going to be favored by over a touchdown or at least around a touchdown in every game when you're looking at it right now. So I'm going over. Okay, our next contender is Texas. And they're back. They're, well, wait a second. Wait a second. We'll have we'll oh, all oh. say whether we think Texas is back. Their over under is eight and a half. And I personally am not ready to say that Texas is back. Um, whether it's Sam Ellinger or Shane Bashal at quarterback the quarterback position is is fine. I don't think it's great. Um, there is some some good pieces around him though, in Colin Johnson and little Jordan Humphrey at receiver. They've got a lot of potential. But the big question is offensive line. They were terrible last year. That's why the offense was terrible. And I'm not convinced it's going to be a ton better. They do add Rice transfer Calvin Anderson at tackle. I think that's a big addition. They they bring in Herb Hand to coach him up. So we'll see how much better they can they can get. I'm I'm skeptical. Uh, defensively, I think is where everyone, I mean, that's what everyone expects to be their calling card, but I think people are, are kind of underrating the losses just up and down the defense D line. They lose Puna Ford at linebacker Malik Jeff Jefferson is gone. And in, in the defensive backfield, Holton Hill and Deshaun Elliott went to the NFL. I think they were undrafted, but still very talented guys. So I just think their defense is a bit overrated right now. And with their tough schedule, I'm going under. Oh, okay. Okay. So you're really having them not back. 
the iran the ironic thing about herman in texas last year was the defense getting so improved and then the offense kind of taking a step back yeah uh, their offense it ranked 99th in s&p plus which they the, uh, the longhorns can't afford to have that obviously this this no. season thanks they, tim back yeah. <laughs> if they want to inch closer to Oklahoma, though, in the Big 12, that's going to have to dramatically improve. And But no matter who it is, Bichelle or, or Ellinger, you would think that they would improve in the second year of the system. So one of those guys is going to have to step up, as well as some of the skill players on the on the outside, to, to potentially try and win the conference. The defense should be pretty stifling. I know you're, you have some question marks, Michael, but I, I think yeah. it should be pretty stifling. No, there's a lot of talent. Looking at their schedule, they they can navigate it, and if they get a little more production on offense, I see them finishing second in the conference. So I'm going to lean over. Oh wow, okay, that'd be a good season for them. I'm I'm I agree with Michael. I'm going to take the under here. You guys have talked about it pretty well so far. The offense not so great. Second year, you would think that improved, but I just don't see any true playmakers on their offense. See a running back, receiver, quarterback, even Ellinger's none of none of them are that have that potential to lift their team to you know, greatness. I, I don't see it. So defense is going to be good, but it was good last year and they didn't have that great of a year. So, I mean, they were 21st in S&P plus defense. So even if they stay top 20, I, I just don't see them making a huge jump from that. Um, and one thing we haven't talked about with Texas is the loss. It's a big loss. Michael Dixon, their punter. <laughs> oh, that's right. He I was, forgot to mention that. He was all American. That guy was amazing. He was worth maybe I don't know, maybe he won a game for him last year. He was awesome. Like, he gave them, like, another yeah, first down. Punting is winning. He gave him, like, a first down on, like, every drive because he just killed the ball. So, that was a big difference. It's a big loss. Yeah, so can you guys rule out the possibility that, you know, oftentimes, if a coach is going to end up being great, if it's going to work for him, you sometimes see a year two jump. And most recently, we saw it last year with Kirby Smart. No one, I mean, people kind of forget the beginning of last year, they weren't expected to be all that great. I mean, they were rank, ranked maybe in the teens in the preseason around there. Not so much uh, ahead of where Texas will be. Does Texas have that potential to maybe make a crazy run we don't expect to the playoff? I mean, I guess you kind of just answered that in your answers, but yeah, I, I mean, like, can you rule out the possibility? No, I guess not. Because I mean, it's, you know, maybe if OU underperforms a little bit, they could actually they could beat them in the Red River rivalry, and nobody else in the Big Twelve is, you know, a true, I don't know, national title contender. There's it's a little bit of a down year for the Big Twelve probably this year. So, but you say second year is that a true barometer? I don't think it could be. It depends on what you walk into. Like if you're uh, somebody that walks into an O and twelve team, okay, maybe you need more than two years. Maybe the third year is kind of what you need. But we you mentioned Kirby Smart. We also saw it from Scott Frost. I mean, he was. That was yeah. his second year, and he was proved to be pretty darn pretty darn good. But a guy like Chris Peterson took him three years to really make a true difference maker of Washington. So it depends on what situation you walk into. Okay, that's a good answer. Uh, let's move on to our next contender. We've got a lot of contenders here. Yeah, the Big 12 is pretty, pretty open this year, maybe outside of, say, Oklahoma. But uh, the next team is TCU. They're over-unders sitting at seven and a half. So, can Gary Patterson find a way to to slay the Oklahoma Dragon and get over the top? Maybe. I don't I don't think so, but the pieces are, you know, slowly falling into place for them. I'm going to start with the defensive side of the ball as that's generally traditionally a, a strength for Patterson. They do return a lot of depth and and playmakers from what was already a top 20 defense. 
They also brought in a stud grand tr- grad transfer linebacker from Northern Illinois, Jawan Johnson. He's a difference maker. Yeah. But on offense, it's a little different story. They're going to need to replace a quarterback, their leading rusher, a couple of receivers, lots of linemen. So they're going to need, most likely, it looks to be Sean Robinson at, at quarterback. He's going to need to be the guy and step up and, and, and play maybe even better than what Kenny Hill did in order for TCU to have a chance at uh, slaying that Oklahoma Dragon. My favorite player, though, in football right now has to be watching Cavante Turpin. That guy is... Yeah, he's awesome. Just, he's a human joystick when he gets the the ball in the open field. Their schedule, they do get Oklahoma in Fort Worth, but I I really don't trust the offense enough right now for them to to get over the hump. I But that being said, I do like the Horned Frogs to get over the win total, but maybe not win the Big 12. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I like uh, TCU to go over as well. Um, a major reason why is their schedule. They do play Ohio State in Arlington, which is obviously going to be tough, but they do have a puncher's chance in that game. I don't think anybody would deny that. Um, but they have five conference home games, um, and two of their row games are at Kansas and at Baylor. So they don't have too many difficult road challenges to face. Um, and their offense, I mean, while it might not be amazing, they do have some some talent, some good playmakers, that receiver, um, and they do return three linemen that have starting experience, and they added a four four star uh, JUCO lineman and Anthony McKinney. So Sean Robinson doesn't need to be amazing for the offense to be pretty darn good. Um, and I, that defense you mentioned Trey was good last year, but it was it kind of got a little bit lackluster for a couple years before that. But they got back to kind of being more aggressive and they were constantly making plays in the backfield. And I think they're going to be just as good this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm high on the Horn Frogs this year. I'm going over. I'm also really high on TCU this year. I'm going over. Um, I think I'm a little bit more concerned about the offense than you are, Ryan. Losing a couple of linemen to the NFL is never good. Um, the in- inexperience at quarterback. I mean, Sean Robinson, we just have no idea. Like, right, yeah. he could be bad. We, yeah. we just don't know. So that is a concern. But I just love the defense. The front six might be the best in the conference. The D tackles are really good against the run. Ty Summers at linebacker, joined by the guy you mentioned, Trey, from Northern Illinois, Jawan Johnson. I think that's a huge addition. So uh, despite that Ohio State game, I am going over with TCU. All right, who's our next contender, Ryan? All right, yeah, the next uh, contender is West Virginia. Uh, Their current over-under right now is at 7. but the over is the heavy favorite at minus 160. Uh, the Mountaineers were 7-3 and three last year, and then Will Greer got hurt, and then they lost their last three games to finish 7-6. and six. Uh, So that really hurt losing him. He was their entire offense. He's back this year. The offense should be great. Uh, top 10 good as they return, obviously, Greer. But then four out of the top receivers, uh, four out of the five top receivers, and four guys on the offensive line. So as long as... Will Greer stays healthy, um, they'll be great. Defensively is where they really struggled, though. Uh, 96th in S&P Plus defense. But they lost a ton from the year before, so they were really inexperienced last year. Um, So hopefully that would add to some more experience and a little bit more depth this year. They do add two transfers on the defensive line. That'll help. They got Kenny Bigelow from USC uh, and Jabril Robinson from Clemson. Uh, And they desperately need those guys to perform because – they just don't have a ton of depth. Um, so if they stay relatively healthy, I think West Virginia will have a really good year because their top 22 guys are pretty good. 
But if that injury bug hits, kind of like it did last year, it won't be good news for them. Just the, t- the talent drops off pretty quick after those those top 22 guys. But I'm going to say they do just enough uh, to cover, and they're going to get over. They're going to go 8-4. and four. All right. You know, can Holgerson finally break through in Morgantown? He Maybe. <laughs> you, <laughs> I'm just going to answer maybe to every question Trey asks, <laughs> if you haven't already noticed. Yeah, you always just play the fence. He made an orange bowl, didn't he? No, 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 no. But since then, they really haven't done anything since that Orange Bowl where they put up True. 70 on Clemson or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, Michael's just going to play the fence with the maybes. <laughs> oh, wait till you get to my pick. <laughs> <laughs> I think their defense and the schedule might hinder them from achieving lofty goals. Uh, Hol- Holgerson and Greer, that combo is going to be great. And that really should keep them in most games, having Greer back there. And I don't really think losing running back Justin Crawford is going to be damaging because I feel like the running back in this system can be plug and play, um, especially with a guy like like Greer in the backfield. So now, did you guys know that David Sills was a quarterback recruit in seventh grade? <laughs> oh, what? Yeah, yeah. But now he's a wide receiver. Wow. It's kind of like, you know, uh, Shipley and McCoy were roommates. Did you know that? Wow. Never heard that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Ryan, you you do say that they, they lost some players on defense last year, but they also lose this year. They lose five of the seven top tacklers. So that's not really a good recipe to the, a defense that was already ranked in the bottom third of the, the country. But hopefully those transfers help them out. The Mountaineers, though, they're going to need success in the first half of their schedule since their last four games are at Texas, TCU, at Okie State, and then Oklahoma. That's that's a rough stretch. So my gut says over, but I just don't trust the team and the defense enough. And I think there's a little too much hype around Greer and, and the Mountaineers. And I think that's going to lead to them underperforming against that national perception of, of them this year. So I'm going under. Yeah, the national perception is high. They were just voted number two in the Big 12 in the, uh, the preseason media poll. Um, but Trey, I resent the fact that you saying I kind of straddle the fence because I'm confidently saying here that... I'm going to push on the seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, they were seven and five last year during the regular season. And I just, I don't really seeing, see them being that much better this year. Of course, the offense is going to be great. We all know that. Um, Gary Jennings at receiver, we didn't even mention another good piece for Will Greer. But I think the defense is going to be even worse than they were last year. And they were bad, but <laughs> the D-line lost some pieces to transfer. Lamont McDougal to Washington State, Adam Schuler to Florida, so that hurts depth. Uh, the linebackers, they had a couple linebackers go down with ACL tears that were expected to be contributors. And then in the secondary, losing Kaiser White to the NFL plus two starting corners, I just don't think they're starting from a good place. I think they're going to be really, really bad on the defensive side of the ball. So I think they'll go seven and five again. And that leads us to our final contender, Oklahoma State. And their season win total is set at eight. The over is a minus 135 favorite. I'm tempted to push again, Trey. Yeah, come on. But I'm going to take, I'm going to take the plus money under. I'm taking plus 105 and going under. The defense should be fine by, by Oklahoma State standards. Jim Knowles, the former Duke defensive coordinator is there. Uh, he's putting in his 425 system. There's some talent on that front six. The secondary has really good corners and AJ Green and Rodarius Williams. So, you know, they're not going to be great, but they should be fine defensively. Offensively, though, is where, of course, they're going to take a huge step back. Mason Rudolph, James Washington, that era is over. Maybe didn't have quite as much success as they would have hoped in their senior year. But right now, it's either Taylor Cornelius, the senior, uh, the only one that was there for the spring, Drew Brown, the Hawaii transfer, 
or Spencer Sanders, the four-star freshman. Those are the the options at quarterback. I'm going to bet on Drew Brown. Uh, he was fine at Hawaii, but that's a massive downgrade. And they can lean on Justice Hill a little bit more at running back, but yeah. I just don't think that's going to be quite enough, and I'll go under. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go under since they have won at least eight games in nine out of the last 10 years. But I'm actually leaning towards the under here as well. Um, they're going to regress. It's just a matter of how much. And I think it's going to be pretty significant. You know, Rudolph gone, Washington. But you didn't mention Marcel Aitman and two all-conference linemen. That's yep. just going to hurt even more. So I, I don't – I mean, I like the hire of Knowles on, on, uh, for the defensive coordinator, but I just don't see them improving a ton because his defenses, they're attacking style. Um, they're really aggressive, and they he really relies on the safeties – and I don't think the Cowboys are strong at that position. They're going to be pretty young. Um, and I just don't see any playmakers at that at that spot. So I'm going to go under, actually, and say they go 7-5. and five. I I really I like Gundy. Uh, good for him staying at Okie State. What he's done in Stillwater is pretty remarkable. They're a fun team to watch. They're they're generally a likable underdog to to Oklahoma and Texas for the for the common fan. And I, you know, Ryan, I'm a little bit opposite of you on Jim Knowles. I, I just feel like a fresh face to lead the defense is only going to help them because Spencer's defense is just, they weren't good. So they're going to need, obviously, the... (laughs) I guess it was true. I guess so. (laughs) Yeah, it was. But but even with the question marks at quarterback and and some of the returning stars, not or lack of returning stars on offense, this offense is usually successful. And I think... Their schedule is favorable until the very end where they, they do play three of the last four on the road, including Oklahoma and TCU. But I trust Gundy. I'm going over. Go Pokes. Yeah. And to your point, Trey, the receiving core should should still be good despite the losses. Dylan Stoner and Jalen McCleskey, that's a, a solid pair to build around. So I don't blame you, but it's time to move on to our dark horses. Who's our first dark horse, Trey? The Iowa State Cyclones, they're over-under sitting at six and a half with a slight favoritism towards the over. The one thing, I, I love Iowa State. Um, Iowa, they're not going to be under the radar this season, though, so their teams aren't going to be taking Matt Campbell's team lightly. We know David Montgomery, he's a stud at running back, and he has a chance to be uh, the Big 12 Player of the Year. But losing Alan Lazard is going to be a big blow, as he he pretty much caught everything that was thrown to him. That guy was incredible. Yeah. But Kyle Kemp got another year of eligibility, and he's capable of you know slinging it around. So, I I, I like their their kind of attitude and and tenacity there, and same with their on their defense. The problem is they lose their top four safeties, which is a concern. But they do return most of their corners, losing Joel Lanning at linebacker and quarterback. Well, he's gonna be, it's gonna be tough, but especially for his the attitude that he brought to the team. I, re- I really like Iowa State's attitude, apparently. I really, <laughs> really do. Yeah. The, but real lunch pail mentality. Yeah, he's got a lot of grit. The The first half of their schedule is brutal, where they have to play Iowa, Oklahoma, TCU, and Okie State. It does lighten up a little bit on the back end of Big 12 play, so maybe if they can get an upset or two, they'll be over their total. I like Campbell. He has them trending in the right direction. I'm saying over. All right. I mean, I do like the defense, Trey. Uh, front seven is excellent. Uh, but like you said, some concern on the back end there. Um, and just the fact that the defense was so good last year, it's hard for me to imagine them getting much better, especially in the Big 12. Uh, but I think the biggest bellwether for this team is probably the offensive line. I'm just not sure they're going to be able to block well enough for uh, for Montgomery and Kempt. 
Uh, the O-line wasn't very good last year. That's why the offense wasn't very good. Um, they were young, so there's hope for them to get better, but I'll believe it when I see it, and I'm going under. Yeah, I agree with you, Michael. I'm going under. I don't think you guys are surprised by that. Um, they won't be uh, sneaking up on anybody. Offensively, they're going to be less explosive. Um, they lose three out of their top four wide receivers, Alan Lazard, like you said, Trey. And it's just without those those quality safeties back there, I don't know. I just don't see their defense being as effective, especially in the pass-happy Big 12, where it's really important to have good safety. So I'm taking the under as well and saying they actually go – they don't even make a bowl game. I'm going to say five and seven. Ooh. Wow. All right. You are always low on Iowa State, Ryan. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Um, so, guys, uh, Trey had a little bit of a joke last episode, but now I have a joke for you. Bring it. Yeah. This is. I knew this was coming. How would you describe Iowa State's quarterback situation? well kempt okay no 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 that was silence dead silence it's not really much of an adjective right. just oh, fine man. fine how about this i'll try something else i got a fun fact you guys want to hear a fun fact i'd rather hear that okay fine here it comes iowa state has not had a player drafted since 2014 wow. every other power five school including kansas has had multiple players drafted since then Wait, it would really? F- what? Alan Lazard wasn't drafted. What? He was not drafted. No. Wow. That I want. What? I want him on my team. It was a surprise. He was expected to, but he didn't get drafted. Oh my goodness, that's that's crazy. He didn't get drafted to me. Oh man, wow. I just wish that your response to Well Kemp's would have been as enthusiastic as this. <laughs> I, I like Trey's uh, so so Jamabo better. <sighs> fine, fine. All right, who is our who's our next dark horse, Ryan? Our last dark horse. Yeah. Uh that will be uh the Kansas State Wildcats. Right now their their uh win total is set at six, uh and the uh over is the favorite at uh, minus one forty. I like Kansas State. Um I think they they should be about the same team as uh as last year's team. Uh they finished eight and five last year. They are replacing both coordinators, so that could cause some issues, but the new offensive coordinator is their longtime wide receivers coach, Andre Coleman, so I don't think anything's really going to change offensively, so should be all right there. Yeah, I'm not concerned about that. Yeah. They have a lot of um, returning experience, two quarterbacks, and Alex Delton and Skylar Thompson, who both had pretty good moments at times last year. Alex Barnes, at running back, rushed for more than 1,200 yards, and most importantly, they returned their entire offensive line, so... I don't see how the offense won't improve. Um, defensively, on the other hand, they might take a step back. They lose five out of their top seven Havoc guys and are particularly weak at safety. They're going to be relying on quite a few Juco transfers to make an impact, and but that's kind of Snyder's life. I don't know. That's what he does. Yeah, just yeah. live on Juco. So I guess they will probably pan out and be good. Um, so while I think they might take a step back, if those Juco step up, and they could even be better. But uh, I'm going to say they, they, they go over here, and uh, I'm going to say they go 7-5. I agree. I'm going way over on this one. I really like Kansas State this year. I think their running game might be one of the best in the country. Uh, Dalton Reisner on the O-line is the star there, but the whole crew is good. Um, and then the quarterbacks both can run a little bit. Skylar Thompson a little bit. Alex Delton a lot. Yeah, I think you're going to see both of them play. I think Delton is just too talented to keep off the field. They actually, Bill Snyder brought them both to Big 12 Media Day for whatever that's worth. So I think it really is a close competition there. And then the defense, there are some concerns, Ryan, like you said, losing those Havoc guys. The linebacking core kind of got decimated, but 
I like the D-line. There's some good pieces there with Trey Deshaun and Reggie Walker. And then the, the secondary is loaded uh, despite the loss of, uh, of DJ Reed. So give me the over. Well, I, I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm actually doubting Bill Snyder. I, oh my gosh. I know he always works magic. I'm always like his, his biggest backer. But for right now, I'm really not seeing it this season. Wow. There's a lot of challenges for them. Returning their offensive line is going to help for whatever quarterback that that lines up but the loss of the key players on defense that you guys touched on I don't think that's gonna help them uh at all and especially since their offense lately it's not always good enough to to keep up with some of these other big 12 offenses yeah and on top of that their road schedule is way harder than their home schedule so I'm gonna say the magic starts to run out on Bill Snyder I'm going under after like 30 years yeah I know Okay, let's get to our long shots now. Our first long shot is Baylor, and their over-under is six. The under is a slight favorite at minus 125. I'm going to go over here, though. Uh, they were, of course, 1-11 last year in, in Matt Rule's first year, but there's obviously a ton of reasons to think they're going to be hugely improved this year. I'm going to get to five quick reasons here, all right? Number one, the quarterback, Charlie Brewer, played really, really well last year, came in kind of midway through the year. And he was just a freshman, so you'd expect him to get a lot better. Number two, he's got a great receiving core. Denzel Mims is one of the stars of the Big 12, so you'd expect that to help out Brewer. Number three, turnover regression. They were 123rd in the country in turnover margin last year. That's a stat that, of course, heavily regresses to the mean. So they only intercepted three passes last year. Wow. I'd I'd bet my life that they intercept more than that this year. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. Number four is a good group of transfers. So they bring in Jake Frumorgan. He sat out last year. He's a left tackle from Clemson, and he actually played a lot at Clemson, so that should really help the O-line, and they need it. They bring in a cornerback from Temple, a defensive end from A&M, and the guy that I think is most interesting is Jalen Hurd, moving, of course, from running back at Tennessee, now a wide receiver at Baylor, and they think he could be really great there, so I'm excited to see what he does. The final reason is injury luck. Because last year, it was horrible. They had a ton of injuries on both sides of the ball. So I think that's going to turn around this year. And that's why I'm going over. Do you guys think that Baylor's coach has a lot of rules? That's not even a joke. Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> that's like, you just said his name. <laughs> oh, man. The good I'm thing- sorry. You're, you're now the doormat of the podcast. Eh, it's a stretch. Okay. Yeah. It's better than yours. <laughs> yeah. All right. The good thing for Baylor is the young experience that's coming back. And I think we can all agree it goes without saying that they're going to outperform last year and they're going to take a next step. But by the end of this year, we should know kind of the trajectory that that rule can take Baylor on. And Michael, you touched on it. Charlie Brewer, he showed flashes of greatness. I think he could be the next you know great Baylor quarterback. Mm -hmm. The problem last year was that they ranked near the very bottom of the country in rushing. So that's going to need to vastly improve in order for Brewer to not be a sitting duck in the backfield. And it looks like the the running back position is going to be a committee at this point until someone really breaks out. Now on the defense, they had a lot of youth. They all come back. So hopefully they've made some strides in the offseason and, and show improvement for defensive coordinator Phil Snow. I think there's a lot of unknown and unproven youth on this whole Baylor team. I see them fighting hard for bull eligibility They hit rock bottom last season. I think they outperformed the six wins this year and and go over the total. 
Wow. So you guys are counting on a more than six game or six game improvement from them. That's, that's a big jump for, for a young team. Yep. Um, Michael, you mentioned earlier that coaches like in, in their second year, is that really when you see them? But for rule, I don't know if it'll be fair to judge him after this year, this second year also, because they just had to deal with so much his first year, so many guys leaving and getting kicked off the team and whatnot. So it might take him to his third year to to really give him a fair grade. So I, I'm going under on Baylor. Um, I, I don't think there's any doubt that they'll improve. And I really do like Charlie Brewer at QB. Um, but they're going to be so young still. They got a ton of sophomores that are going to be starting and I just don't see how they can get all the way to seven wins. That's just a lot to ask. So I'll say they, uh, they say they go under. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Genius move by Matt rule to go one and 11 his first year. Yeah. Cause everyone's excusing it. And then he's guaranteed to have a win jump next year. Just genius. It really is. Okay. Who is our next long shot? The Red Raiders of Texas Tech. They're over under sitting at six with the slight lean to the over as the favorite. So, you know, whether we all agree or disagree, it, it's kind of put up or shut up time for, for Cliff Queensberry, Michael. <laughs> he's he because he's my I want to be his queen. Yeah. Right, right. You want to be his queen. Okay. Okay. Just yeah, to make that yeah. clear. <laughs> he's Michael's king. Yes, true. But I, I, I think he's it's a little unfair to run him out of town, even if he doesn't have great success this year personally, as I as I touched on earlier. Even though the the offenses at Texas Tech always have success, it is a rebuild here as they have to place replace their quarterback Nick Shimanek, their starting running back, and then four of the top five receivers. It looks like McLean Carter will be the guy at quarterback, at least uh to date. Mm. But in, in spare roles last season, he was pretty pedestrian, so he's going to need to step up because I, I remember watching him. I was not overly impressed. The shining light for them, though, is that every lineman that started last year returns. That's going to be key. On defense, defensive coordinator David Gibbs made strides with the defense last year and is poised to build on that this year with almost all of the production coming back, including five of the front six. So I do actually, surprising to say, but I do like Texas Tech's defense. Outside of maybe of Oklahoma and then maybe TCU or Okie State, every game on their schedule is is actually winnable, but in that case, it's also losable. I'm not saying they're going to win win all of them in the least bit, but if they get better quarterback play than what I think they will, they have a chance to make some <laughs> serious noise in the Big 12. I, I didn't like what I saw last year with McLean, so I really don't think they're going to get over their win total, though. So I'm going under. Yeah, I I don't know. I, from the way you speak about it, Trace, I, I feel like Cliff Kingsbury is is more on the hot seat than maybe you're letting on. I don't know. This is my opinion. Like he he's not recruiting well. He hasn't had any yeah. really good seasons. And what what year is this for him? Like fourth or fifth, maybe now. I, it's um, at least that I think. Yeah. Right. So I mean, and it's just it definitely like you you said at the beginning. It's definitely put up shutter or time for him. Um, but to me, six and six definitely seems like the most likely outcome. But I'm gonna go under because i'm not going to push like michael does um so i'm gonna pick under um his offenses are always good we, we know that even with some new guys taking places in prominent roles mclean carter we don't know they're gonna have a, a good offense um defensively you could actually say it's the strength of this team um you said they returned five to six up front and they even get a graduate transfer from rice to help with the improve the depth on the line as well so Pass defense should only continue to improve as they get most of those guys back too. Um, but I just think the offense is going to regress more than the defense will improve. So that's why uh, I'm going to take the under here. 
By the way, this is year seven for Cliff Kingsbury. Wow. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Time flies, man. Um, I am not high on Texas Tech this year. I'm going under. You guys mentioned McLean Carter, but I think he's far from a guarantee to be the starter. Uh, you've got Jet Duffy, the sophomore, who's a little bit more of a dual threat. And then you've got Alan Bowman, who was a uh, freshman early enrollee. He's very talented. So one of those guys could start as well. But either way, I am not super thrilled with their quarterback situation. Um, defensively, one thing I just don't, I continue to not understand is the praise for defensive coordinator David Gibbs. So year one at Texas Tech, 124th in S&P plus defense. That was worse than, than when, when he took over year two, 125th. It's hard to be that bad two years in a row. <laughs> year three was last year and they were 88th. Okay. That's an improvement. But I mean, it's still not great. No, it's not. And and I think the defense probably looked better than it was uh, because they were sixth sixth in the country in turnovers, and that's very unlikely to repeat. Um, having said all that, of course, there's a, there's some talent there. Dakota Allen, of course, of last chance U fame. But I'm not sold on them taking a, a huge leap forward like people might be expecting. So under on Texas Tech, and that leads us to. Our last long shot in Kansas, Ryan, are, uh, are they going to be any good this year? Um, well, they might beat Texas, uh, but they'll still suck. Okay. That does it for Kansas. Yeah. And that does it for right, the cool. tiered rankings. So let's get to the hot seat. <laughs> Rock chalk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kansas. Uh, Trey, you are on the hot seat this week. Let's get started. First question. Which non-conference game involving a Big 12 team are you most excited to watch this season? For me, it came down to TCU versus Ohio State in Jerry World or USC versus Texas. But I'm more confident in USC-Texas being a better game given that the last two times they've played, they've been absolute classics. It's going to tell us a lot about both teams and where they stand at this point. You know, has Texas improved? Does SC have a playmaker at quarterback? I think it should be an, an entertaining one in Austin. All right. That's a good pick. I agree with you there. It's the hot seat, Ryan. Don't be so friendly to him. Sorry. Gave a good answer. (laughs) Which player's performance will be the most pivotal to his team's success or failure? Also, you suck. Add that. Add that. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I can feel the burn. I'm going to say whoever plays quarterback for Texas, which looks to be Sam Ellinger, both the quarterbacks last year made mistakes and the teams didn't really fear them with their with their arms so if they make if they make strides or if ellinger makes strides texas could contend which freshman will have the biggest impact on his team i'm gonna go to the defensive side for oklahoma brendan radley hiles also known as bookie he's a defensive back he should have an instant impact for a defense that really obviously needed help and he's getting rave reviews from all coaches not just oklahoma coaches in fact, he was actually named the to be the Big 12 Newcomer of the Year. If you had to choose one coach's fashion style to emulate, would it be Mike Gundy's mullet or Matt Campbell's overly bent hat? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I'm going to go with the hat just because the hair, I think, would be like uncomfortable all the time. At least the hat I can take off. And you used to bend your hat pretty good back in the day yeah but not (laughs) nothing like that i mean that is over the top yeah a little bit nice little abercrombie and fitch hat you used to have yeah exactly (laughs) all right good job trey good job you handled it well now it's time to get to our big 12 championship picks ryan why don't you get us started okay 
Um, I'm going to keep it brief. Uh, I think we're going to have a repeat of last year's Big 12 title game. It's going to be OU versus TCU again, and I'm going to take OU to win it second year in a row. I'm going the exact same thing. OU, I'm really high on on Kyler Murray. Defense can't get any worse, and I just think they're a much more talented team than TCU, so that's my pick as well. All right. Well, we've got a clean sweep for Oklahoma, and I do think Oklahoma wins, but I think they beat Texas for the crown. That'd be cool. I, I hope that happens, actually. That would be an incredible, yeah. incredible game. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's get to our questionable finish. Baylor coach Matt Rule set the bar extremely low in his first season. Name a time when you dramatically underperformed in your first attempt at something. When I first attempted wakeboarding, <laughs> I was so bad. I oh, could, me too. Me I, too. I could not even get up. Like, I tried, I don't know, probably 25 times, didn't get up once. I was horrible. So, mine would be going into college, I took a Spanish placement test, and, and, <laughs> but the, you take the test, and I figured, well, the better I do, that means that the tougher the class I've got to enter in. So, I, I rigged it and just just kind of bombed the test so that I could start at the kind of that 101 level so I'd be able to get more units. Trey, this is ridiculous because I did the exact same thing. Really? <laughs> I did the same thing. Dude, were you the one that told me to do that? Maybe I uh, maybe I rubbed off. It on... must have been. There's no way we came to that separately. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I did that for my uh, my math. I had a math one, a math placement for college, but I didn't intentionally do it. I was just bad at it. So. <laughs> oh, uh... <laughs> well, well, now Ryan is married to uh, a, a woman from Colombia who's fluent in Spanish, of course. So, Trey, yeah. we really should have tried harder on that Spanish test. <laughs> we really should have. <laughs> All right. So mine is that I got called down at halftime of a USC basketball game to do the, the tuition challenge where I had to make uh, a layup, free throw, NBA three-pointer. I like to add in NBA. And then a half-court shot in 30 seconds to win 50 grand. It is impossible. I made the layup, though, luckily, first try. But I got to the free throw line. I ran there, turned around, and shot it super quickly. And it was just horribly, horribly off. Like, it was as far right on the backboard as you can possibly hit it. <laughs> oh, my God. Because uh, no. it's just, you, you you turn around, and you see through the clear glass, and there's all those people. It's very disorienting. Yeah. Uh, so that was a, a pretty bad effort there. But did you make the free throw eventually? I made the second free throw. And then I missed like two NBA three pointers off the rim. Right. And time was up. You pretty much got to go four for four. Like, pretty much. Yeah, it's tough. Next question Kyler Murray will be leaving college early to pursue a Major League Baseball career after this season. If you were to leave the podcast after this season and start another podcast, what would it be about? I would have to say I would definitely be doing one on either sports betting or horse racing. Ah, okay. Ah, uh, yeah. We got a little bit of sports betting in this one. Yeah, we, we incorporate it for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would definitely start one about college basketball since that's my basketball is pretty much my favorite sport, at least to play. Uh, but it'd definitely be about college basketball. Mine would be a spoof of 30 for 30, and it would be called 69 for 69. Oh, no. Oh, boy. <laughs> ah, boy. By the way, I got another one in the pike, guys. It's about Tim Tebow. So look forward to that one. Oh, right. I think you've shared that with me before, Mike. It's a little disturbing. <laughs> it is. It's a little weird, but... <laughs> Next question, final question of the show. Tom Herman, famously, is a member of Mensa. What's the most exclusive group of which you are a member? 
I'll start us out here. For me, it would have to be the hole-in-one club. Ah, yeah, I knew it. Man. I knew it. I don't know if I've I mentioned that on the podcast before, but I got a hole-in-one. <laughs> oh, I knew this was coming. Unfortunately, I'm not a member of this that club, so... You know what? One, I've gotten a couple here. I was nominated to be an, a member of now the Future Leaders of America, and as you can see, I'm leading the world through this podcast. Absolutely. And, but I think I'm most proud of my presidential physical fitness award from like third or fourth grade <laughs> wow well that's exclusive uh very very exclusive do you have the uh the piece of paper framed in your house <laughs> it's not hanging up but let's just say i still have it <laughs> <laughs> all right um yeah i'm uh, i'm also a part of the hole in one club all right that'd definitely be one of the most ex- exclusive but other than that um I'm a teacher, so I'm a part of the teachers' union, if you could count that. That's nice. That's, that's something, yeah. All right, that'll do it for our Big 12 preview. We will be back in a couple days with our top group of five and independent schools. But before we close out the show, I've got one more question for you guys. Would you like Bruce Feldman to end this for us? Ah, it's, that's the way we should always end the podcast. All right, Bruce, take it away. You name it, shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even a wipe that leaves your tush feeling tingly. (laughs) Okay, it's a little different than I thought. Wow, Bruce really goes out. (laughs) All right, goodbye, everyone. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, Like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.